that actually I kept quoting Micah six eight when we were doing the massive layoff. We laid off three hundred over folks, and it was so painful. Our head of people, Chinyin, is also a Christ-centered leader, and and she and I kept reminding. I said, Chinyin, Micah six eight. Even as we let people go, and are, are we loving mercy, acting justly, and walking humbly with God? And and she said, Yes, I'm there. Then I know. Okay, we're doing the right thing. It's going to cost us multi, multi, multi millions of dollars, but I know we can sleep at night because we fulfilled Michael six eight. Hey everyone, it's Shayla here. Happy New Year and welcome back to Leadership Conversations with Nikki Gumbel. Today we're sharing Nikki's conversation with Anthony Tan and he is fabulous. Anthony is the co-founder and CEO of the multi-billion dollar organization Grab, which is kind of like the Venmo DoorDash Uber of Southeast Asia. Grab is taking the fastest growing region in the world by storm and you'll hear all the details from Nikki at the top of the interview. Anthony is incredibly inspiring. He has his MBA with honors from Harvard. He's a young entrepreneur under 40, and his leadership and vision is completely motivated by Christ and the things of the kingdom. You'll hear it come through in what he shares. Especially for those of you leading in the business world, you're going to love this interview. Now, right after we finish with Anthony, we have a raw reflection from Nikki to share with you. Basically, after chatting with Anthony, Nikki was just floored, so much so that without any prompting, he started sharing some of what the conversation sparked in his heart. So our team decided to hit record, and we'll play that for you right after the conversation, so stay tuned. Okay, without any further introduction, here's Nikki's conversation with Anthony Tan. I am thrilled to be here with our good friend, Anthony Tan. Uh, who I, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that Anthony is one of the most successful young entrepreneurs in the world. Um, but we've known, uh, we, Anthony, I've, I've known you, I, I was thinking it must be almost 20 years uh, that I've known you. And um, in those 20 years, we've seen so much change in your life. Uh, from uh, when I first met you, I think you were a student, and now you've become the founder, co-founder, CEO of Grab. For those who don't know about Grab, Grab is valued at, at more than 14 billion US dollars uh, in the eight years since it began. You have nine million drivers in 352 cities, eight different countries. Um, and um, I'm sure it's more now. It was 198 million downloads. Is it? I bet it's over 200 million da- downloads, isn't it now? But it's like that's... And to give, again, some perspective, that is 30% of the population of Southeast Asia. Uh, uh, so uh, this is an extraordinary story of um, one of the fastest growing companies in the world. Uh, so I've watched that, that sort of massive growth of, of Grab. And, and Grab is not just taxis. Uh, it's also food and a whole lot of other things. It's not just uh, cars, it's bikes, it's, it's everything. Um, and the app is is developing in lots and lots of different directions. So there's that. That's one change. Another change is uh, from a carefree single man to um, now a devoted husband and father of three children. And uh, I just heard a fourth one on the way. Uh, but then the other thing, just the other thing I've observed is is your faith. Uh, you know, I've watched your faith absolutely blossom. So I, I want, I'd love to talk to you, um, first of all, you know, to start with why. I mean, why, 
what was the motivation behind this uh, company? It wasn't originally called, I was originally called My Taxi, wasn't it, Rot? But um, uh, behind this this enterprise that you started? Yeah, you know, we, first of all, uh, I, I just want to share, I'm, I'm truly honored, Nikki. You've been a big part of my life, you and Pippa. Uh, when you asked to do this, uh, how, could I, how could I say anything but yes? Uh, and, you know, as I shared with you the last time, I have Bible in one year app. I listened to, I've heard it for, I don't know how many years it's been in existence. I've heard it four years in a row. So I've done it four years, every day for four years. So you can imagine my whole family, everyone in the household, all have heard your voice and people's voice every day for four years. <laughs> and, and aren't you, but you're one day ahead of everybody else, aren't you? There's, oh, no. Now I'm like three days ahead. So I, 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 I go way, way further. Um, so, so it's changed my life. Uh, a, a really big shout out. Again, no, no incentives at all for me to say this, but the only incentive is that it has changed my life and I hope to see it change everyone else. Um, and you know, this morning, I, I heard it before, before speaking to you as well of no fear and there's absolutely no fear uh, as we speak uh, um, <laughs> let, let me first start with that uh, now uh, j just a few things about uh, uh, very quickly about graph uh, it, it's not um, it's not only right hailing uh, it's food deliveries it's e-commerce deliveries it's grocery deliveries all this that's needed especially during lockdowns um, it's uh, it's all the financial services so think so think uh, much more like you know, PayPal, Venmo, blended with Uber, blended with DoorDash or delivery in, in your parts of the world. Um, and, and we are across, uh, as you said, uh, 394 cities. And, and today, you know, we're very happy to say that it's not about the number of cities we're in, but it's how many people, what we call everyday entrepreneurs or micro-entrepreneurs, and it's now over 9 million that we've helped, especially during this time. So it's not about us, it's about how much we've helped them, especially during this difficult time, especially during COVID, where if they didn't have this, they would have no income. And that's the most important thing. Now, um, to, to, to your question about mission and why, we, we believe we exist to drive Southeast Asia forward by elevating the quality of life for everyone. And, and this has been our guiding light since 2012. Um, we've, we've always been thinking about, you know, how do we, you know, and you said this, uh, and I, I don't have the quote directly, so forgive me, um, but you've always said as Christ-centered individuals that our job is to serve those who are, who are less fortunate than us. And that's how we feel, uh, truly. That's how, that's why we exist. You ask why. And, and every day I count my blessings. And, it's, and if God asks me to say, hey, Anthony, um, now it's time to you know, serve HTB, 
then you know I'm not gonna be like Paul and wait until the road of Damascus. I I'll be there. <laughs> There's no question. <laughs> and and if it's you know to serve Grab right now and be a steward uh, and a servant leader, that's my calling. And my calling has been how do we use this platform to truly serve the millions of people that really need help right now. So so. You know, go, re- rewinding on, on, on how this has all happened. You know, when we first came back from business school and we chatted, if you remember, uh, in, 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 first in Bangkok a long time ago, uh, it was really about helping the safety, especially for women in the taxi industry. So since back then, it's really among, you can obviously assume that all people are bad eggs, especially taxi drivers in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. But what we said was, no, that is not the case. In fact, let us find a way technologically to help them increase their incomes so that they have something to lose and so that they will not do anything to hurt other people because they treasure and value their jobs. And please keep in mind, most of our drivers in Kuala Lumpur during that time are are not Christian. In fact, most of them are of other religious faith. But we said it is not about... It is not about just serving only Christ-centered people. It's about serving all people and making sure that we can make, whether it's women feel safer, children safer to go to school, taxi drivers earning more income. And that has continued because we believe we have to serve the unheard, the unseen and, and the underserved in Southeast Asia. Brilliant, Auntie. I mean, I had two great motivations to get people jobs and keep get and allow people to travel safely, and and particularly for women to feel safe in a in a taxi. And and I think you have a reputation for being the safest that there is. I mean, you can't get a hundred percent in anything, but you are the safest. Um, and uh, just say about a little bit about how you've done that. That's the why, but how you've got you've got very strong values. I know you've got like four H's. Um, and just say a bit about that. Sure. Uh, perhaps I'll start with this, that, that on the how. Um, I, I believe, you know, going back to Matthew 25, 40, whatever you do you, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you do for me, right? So I believe on how we serve is to mimic Jesus as a true servant leader. And he is our ultimate role model. And I always tell our guys, I just said this again yesterday, to an, uh, an, an, another uh, teammate of mine was that you don't work for me. I don't work for the board. We all work for one ultimate boss and that's, and that's Jesus, that's JC. So, so for us is, you know, we go back to these servant leadership values and that's the four H. Um, one is honor, the first H. How do we honor whatever we say, whatever we do? whatever contract we sign, even in the most difficult. So I st- I'll, I'll just quickly give you a story. There was once where we had a chance to, because of certain changes of the agreement, there was over close to $200 million at stake. $200 million US dollars at stake. And, and we told our partner, we said, we don't think it's right to keep that value. I'm going to give back that value to you because it's the honorable thing to do, hmm. even if it destroys value for us. So that's the first H. And until today, the partner truly values 
the, the partnership because we've been honorable. The second H is hunger, where we believe that, look, we're not that smart. So we, and, and there are many smarter people out there. So we just got to be out-gridding, out-resilienting, you know, that's not even a word, um, outworking all those out there so that we can achieve what we set ourselves up to do. The third H is humility. That we, again, we just know that we're not the smartest guys in the room. And, you know, I always go back to the story where if Jesus can himself take out his waist cloth and wash the feet of his disciples, who are we? Who are we? And again, it's not about, it's not about us. It's about being, accepting that we are sinners, we're broken, we're work in progress, and that we can take tremendous feedback so that we can keep iterating so that we can serve our customers and our merchant partners better. And the last H is the heart, that we have the heart to serve society. That, and, and it's not serving it in a way whereby you lose, I win. It's about how do we serve society such that all of us rise together. All of us, you know, and you can never guarantee it's all like this. Sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like this, but the key is how do we uplift everyone? How do we have everyone come up together with us? And, and that's an uplifting society and culture. Hmm. And uh, I mean, you've applied those values to, to everything you've done and, and particularly to your relationships and the competition uh, because um, I think it's kind of public knowledge that you were, you were up against Uber in the early days and uh, it wasn't clear who was going to come out as, uh, on top. But uh, I think maybe one of the things is you, you knew the culture, you knew like it was a cash culture, you knew, you knew that ice creams weren't perhaps the easiest things to take around um, uh, and all those kind of things. But uh, you came out on top. But you've, you're now in a partnership. I mean, the CEO's on your board and you've, you've formed a really good relationship. H- how did you do that? Well, I, I think, um, you know, again, I um, am far from where I need to be. Today, Dara, who's the CEO of Uber, is on my board. And he's, we've become dear friends. Oh, and, you know, this, it, it's, it's become such a great relationship of of friends and we whatsapp each other we call each other for advice um he's come his whole leadership team has come to visit me in jakarta indonesia we've taken his whole team around for a few days to see all our operations um who would ever imagine but really it makes all the difference and and again it's easier to say in hindsight of course do i still other people who who you know slap me on my right and and have I given my left yet to slap? Uh, that, that hasn't happened yet. Um, but, you know, as I said, Nikki, and that's why I keep reading uh, Bible one year. Uh, I, I still need more of that. But I've heard you quote, um, like, iron sharpens iron. I'm to see your competitors, not as like the enemy, but also as kind of like the iron that sharpens you. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I honestly have quoted that so many times, whether it's in Bloomberg or Financial Times, and uh, they always ask me, you know, uh, wow, you, well, what's, what's a business book? You've, I said my favorite business book is the Bible. Uh, <laughs> and it is true. Iron does sharpen iron because I've seen how they've pushed me to extremes. And as you said, the, the, 
at that point of time when we were competitors, you know, Uber had a great campaign then called uh, Uber Ice Cream, on-demand ice cream. And, you know, we sit in this environment in Malaysia or Indonesia or Vietnam, it's really hot. Um, it's going to melt. So we did uh, grab durians. And, and durian, I, I know it's an awful fruit for many, but, you know, Southeast Asians love it. It's the king of fruits. And it just took off, right? And it was this idea of constant innovating on-demand ideas, highly localized, that really won the hearts and minds of the customers. Uh, now, one of your H's is not hard work, but but it, but actually, it could, you could have a, uh, in practice, I can see there is a fifth H in your life, which is you work unbelievably hard. And at one point, actually, it nearly took you out. You were working too hard. How, how do you get the balance now in your life? Yeah, um, it, it is actually in now, it's in the H of hunger, okay. uh, where, we have, where we have to outwork everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You, you are right, Nikki. We have to capture it. I mean, it is in our leadership DNA. Um, now, the balance is hard. Um, I, I've always told our guys, um, our teammates, that it's impossible to achieve work-life balance. Uh, what we call it is, I say, I tell them, you know, work-life harmony. Um, so today, you know, as we speak, I have a stepping machine right here uh, as I literally on my conference calls, I, I'll, you'll be seeing me stepping. Um, so I have that because I'll, I'll be standing. So I don't sit stand for 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day uh, to burn calories at the same time. Right. Um, and it keeps the energy levels high at the same time, you know, in the mornings I keep say 20, you know, like you, uh, you know, I know you wake up very early to play squash and all that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've had the opportunity to just, because of Bible in one year and it all being an audio, I can do my stretching in the morning while listening. I can go for my walks, you know, while, while getting that quiet time and praying at the same time. Um, and, and it's that, it's being able to merge a few things together and not compromising. Of course, could I, you know, could I just work? 24 hours, it's, it's humanly possible, but I, it's not good for the soul. And, and I felt that having this work-life spiritual harmony uh, has made me into a, a, a better, more empathetic, loving leader. And also, you prioritize your relationship with Chloe, I know. And I, I mean, it's quite, sometimes people, you know, like prioritize, think they should prioritize their children above their wife. But I think you've, You've, you've made sure that, of course, yeah. your children are a high priority, but you have, even above that, you've prioritized your relationship with Chloe. That, that, that's very true. Uh, we've made it a point whereby we believe that the love that we show for each other and the love we show for Jesus together will always take precedence even above the children. And I've always made it very clear to Chloe that Jesus takes above you, you will take above the kids and, and then the kids. Um, and the reason is because our children, like us, we always look up. Right? We saw the relationship between Jesus and God and we saw that love and we use that to inspire us to be more like Him. Our kids at a very young age look at myself and Chloe and they see that as love. 
And we believe that by showing each other tremendous respect, by showing each other tremendous love, by being extremely respectful day in, day out, you know, I've been working from home for over nine months. You know, you can't hide uh, any disagreements. But even, and because we always went back to the word, and because we shared of equal yoke and we had the same values, we could always sort things out so quickly in front of the children. So the kids never saw us have fights. The kids never saw us, you know, the kids, I see how close the children are and how much they love each other, siblings. And I can see it's a mimic of the love that Chloe and I have shared. Now you say you've been working from home the last nine months. Uh, everybody's had to pivot. You've had to pivot from the office to home, but, uh, but Grab has had to pivot. Hugely, I mean, you had you had a massive reduction in business, and you had to uh, really pivot fast. Talk about that and how you've responded. Also, to the uh, I mean, and there's that the business side of it, but also the the humanitarian crisis that you've been um, seeking to to meet. Yeah. So you're right. In the beginning, you know, there's some parts of the year where our business came down by you know, close to ninety percent in some cities. Mm-hmm. So completely, uh, it was also our toughest time. We had a very public, uh, we let go, you know, it was the first time I cried very openly in, in, a, in a town hall, in an open public town hall on Zoom with thousands of people uh, because I felt it wasn't their fault and it was our fault and we completely owned it. And, and to see where God has taken us today, you know, end of the year, Grab is now you know, financially stronger than it was pre-COVID. Hmm. So really, it's been an incredible pivot, an incredible journey where, and, and what, what, what did we do? You know, I'll just paint out the, how the region has looked. It's been an incredibly unequal crisis, right? Where the most vulnerable, the bottom of the pyramid, informal workers, small businesses, those were the hardest hit. And what we choose to do back then will have multi-generational impact. So we decided that we're going to bridge this growing income divide. So Grab felt the right thing to do was to continuously create services that links the right expertise and the opportunities of the digital economy and with these people that needed help. And it, was, it wasn't just the right thing to do, but it was also the logical business decision. And because of that, we've had millions of people benefit. At the same time, our business has also benefited. I'll give you some quick examples. We retrained a lot of our drivers and a lot of our partners. We had nearly over 150,000 drivers go from transporting people to transporting food and e-commerce deliveries. We've set that, that up. We've now gone into partnerships with Microsoft to train and, and reskill our drivers into even software developmental roles. And now we're grooming 250 students in AI. Now, we've also helped, you know, uh, and again, just to paint some context, in Southeast Asia, in Southeast Asia, there's over 70 million small, medium enterprises. 
So they employ over 140 million people and account for about 99% of all businesses in the region. So our job was to digitize what was seen as the old, traditional, large, informal economy. So think about, Nikki, if you remember when you came to KL, you saw you went to a night market, or you went to the hawkers, the street side hawkers. These are the guys that have never gone online in their lives. Hmm. Imagine these guys, mom and pop stores, and we had to bring them online. And, and you know, it was, it was so powerful where I remember, you know, just, just, just one quick story. There was a small food business in the Philippines. Her name is Nene. And because of Grab Express, which is our e-commerce delivery, we could help her grow her business online. She even used Grab Drivers as her unofficial word of mouth ambassadors. Hmm. She told me about how she loves paying it forward. As her business grew, she did even more deliveries and help even more delivery guys earn more. So her business grew. People during the lockdown got their food and our delivery guys got to earn even more. So it's things like that where, you know, it's not about us. It's about how can we, during a time of pandemic, where our Christ-centered values comes up and says, are we just helping ourselves? Or are we, and by the way, we've been accused of many things where we say, look, have we helped ourselves because we were scared and there was fear? Yes, we have helped ourselves where we said, holy cow, you know, we've had to increase commissions, for example. But what we've pushed our team to go is, are we delivering more value? Are we helping our merchant partners teach them how to fish? Are we creating more features for them? For example, we used AI, whereby if they took a blurry photo of their menu item, it self-corrects and makes sure the photo is pretty enough for the food delivery app so that we can make sure their food gets delivered and people order. So it's constantly thinking about how can we help our merchants grow their business even during such difficult times. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Adi, I mean, you've talked a lot about your Christian faith. Just say what difference does that make to the way that you, you do your job and how, and how do you sustain that faith? In a very in a very tough kind of environment, uh, I pray a lot. Uh, I pray a lot, Nikki. I pray a lot. I ask a lot of people for prayers. Uh, I haven't bugged you yet, uh, but but I, I do bug a lot of my pastors locally. I, I bug a lot of people uh, for prayers. I'm uh, I hog prayers. <laughs> I you know all the time. Um, I surround myself with with a lot of Christ-centered uh, leaders and, and, and partners uh, across and great advisors. Uh, you know, a few days ago, I spoke to a good friend, uh, Pat Gelsinger, who's a great Christ-centered leader, CEO of VMware uh, as well, and he's advising me uh, as well. Uh, your, your friend, Tony Blair, has been advising me as well. Um, and, 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 you know, and... and I think just surrounding myself, um, Andy Mills, another uh, friend of, of, the, of the church. Uh, so surrounding myself with whether they are part of Alpha, you know, I, I just caught up with Keith Magnus here in Singapore, uh, who's part of Alpha. 
consistently seeking lots of advice. And I know because they're all centered on faith that the wisdom comes, is the root source is the Bible. Then it, it, and then we pray together and then it comes through their mouths and it comes with their worldly experience and then it comes to me. And then, it's, and then I pray how that can then be executed correctly in the, in the real world. Um, I mean, I mean, I, you mentioned um, Tony Blair, but also, you know, I've seen you with David Cameron. I've seen uh, you've had one-on-ones with with you know Jeff Bezos, with uh, Warren Buffett, with, with um, uh, I mean the the most successful people in the world. Um, and um, uh, just say what 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 what's in, what have you learned from some of those? I mean, now, um, you know, you're, you're under 40 um, and um, become one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And you're meeting now these, these, uh, these people and they're obviously giving you advice, talking to you. What, what, what are you learning from them? I think number one is um, the tremendous humility that they have. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, uh, say Pat, has just tremendous humility um, and his willingness and his generosity of his heart. You know, uh, in, you know, in his book, uh, what in, in his first book, he talks about him giving more than fifty percent of his everything he makes uh, for for Christ-centered initiatives and, and to the church. It's it's that type of big heart, uh, the type of generosity, the type of love. Uh, that I've learned. Uh, again, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. Uh, I'm not there yet, but I've learned that. Um, you know, and I can go down the list. You know, um, Bill Gates. I know you've had one-on-ones with Bill Gates. What did you learn from him? Uh, well, he's an avid reader. Uh, and, and, you know, I've learned that the most recent was uh, when, actually this wasn't caught during our one-on-one, but I was caught during uh, one of the reading, one one was he encouraged us all to read across industries. Um, so, you know, it's so easy for me to just read about tech or to read about business. Uh, when he reads about, you know, physics, he reads about uh, chemistry, he reads about fiction, he reads, uh, you know, totally unrelated. And that gives him a much better 360 um, mindset and thought process. Hmm. And that's been something. So last year, I've probably never read as much uh, since college as, as I have, uh, even while making sure I didn't compromise one day of Bible in one year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you mentioned Alpha, um, uh, Anthony, and I know you've run Alpha, Alpha at Grab. I mean, that's a courageous thing to do. Uh, well, to be fair, I didn't run it. Uh, it was my, my chief of staff. Uh, she ran it. And uh, with, with uh, my, my other teammate, uh, Dom, and, and they, they ran it. And I think some of your teammates know them. Um, you know, what we've done is we've done outside of the office. Uh, as you know, we, we've been with Han and running Alpha and the other groups. Now, we till today, and again, I'm not saying this in front of you. I said this to Keith. I said this to many of my of folks. It is the most... And again, forgive me because I'm a efficient, efficient monster. 
Uh, it's the most efficient way to bring pre-believers to see the love and kindness of, of God. Um, so, as you know, I've, I've been a big fan of it and I continue to be a massive fan of it. Oh, amazing. And um, uh, I know you, <clears throat> you've got Bible verses all over your, your office there. Um, yeah, look at all that, all the Bible verses. Look, look, look at all these Bible verses. Uh, yeah, again, it wasn't me. It wasn't. Uh, it was my wife who, who writes post-it notes of Bible verses that talk to her, and then she pastes it around all my screens. And what are the the particular verses? What are your kind of life verses? Well, the one that's staring right below your the, the, the Zoom screen is uh, from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And it's the ability to be weak and understand that we are weak and, and admit we are weak and rely on Him totally. And that's really tough. And that's why I have it literally in front of my face to remind me all the time. <laughs> and I know that Micah six eight is another one that you uh, you often quote. You know uh, the idea of you know act justly, you know walk humbly with him. It's 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 something that you know when I ask ourselves uh, when we think about you know making decisions, a lot of times we have you know the worldly ways and, you know, intellectually rigorous ways of thinking about decision-making. But I always ask myself, I go back, are we acting justly? Are we walking humbly? And, and that, that actually, I kept quoting Micah 6 when we were doing the massive layoff. We laid off 300 over folks. And it was so painful, but I can't remind, and our head of people, Chin Yin, is also a Christ-centered leader. Again, just surrounding myself with great leaders. And, and, she, and I kept reminding, I said, Chin Yen, Micah 6 eight, even as we let people go, are we walking justly? Are, are, and are, are we at loving mercy, acting justly and walking humbly with God? Hmm. And, and she said, yes, Anthony. I can sleep at night knowing, then I know, okay, we're doing the right thing. It's going to cost us multi, multi, multi millions of dollars but I know we can sleep at night because we fulfilled Michael 6 hmm. And um, Anthony, um, uh, final, final question. Anything that you would want to say to people? Who, supposing there's a, a young person watching this and thinking, wow, I'd love to do what Anthony's done. Um, uh, what, uh, but, but, but they want to do it as a follower of Jesus. What, what advice would you give them? I think that there's so, so much. I mean, the number one is, again, I'll, I'll say this, the best business book in the world is the Bible. Uh, and the best way to read it is Bible in one year. Hear <laughs> it. It's changed my life. It continues to change my life. <laughs> Anthony, you're very kind. Thank you so much. Uh, you're the busiest man in the world, so I, I won't keep you any longer, but thank you so much. You are, you've been an inspiration. Wow. So grateful. Thank you. thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for HTV. Thank you for Alpha. Thank you for this team. Uh, you have no idea um, 
the impact he's made in, in my life, in our lives. And uh, that's my son, Emmanuel. And, uh, you know, when we couldn't put him to sleep, I would put your Bible in one year on you. <laughs> People usually usually get their babies to sleep. In fact, anyone, get anyone to sleep while listening to five in one year. It's the best (laughs) cure for insomnia. That's right. (laughs) Remember I brought him to service uh, when he was speaking and he recognized that my poem. He felt (laughs) Has that impact on everyone? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think we can learn a lot from the church could learn a lot from the way in which business pivoted the, the successful businesses pivoted in covid I mean, that, he, he he lost 90 percent of his business uh which was the drivers but he pivoted and he saw that actually uh you could do other things that it was advantageous to do in this period so like in, in the church we we, we say, oh, we can't worship, we can't meet for worship, oh dear, dear, um, uh, let's, let's hope and wait till we can do that again. They didn't do that, they, they pivoted to do other things that, that were needed in that season, and there was, were opportunities in that season. And in particular, uh, you know, we, the church needs to pivot. We can't meet together for worship, but we can run Alpha Online. You know, we can reach, and, and I, I was very interested in what he said about Alpha Online, uh, the alpha being the most efficient. Uh, and now that's not a word that we'd use in the church, but but he was. But it, what he's saying is it works, um, and that's why he's keen on it. And um, you know, again, it's so interesting. A business person sees something that works and therefore does it. Uh, and I think we could learn from that in the church as well. Uh, uh, so you know, it seems to me now is the, 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 an unbelievable opportunity for the church to to run Alpha online because we know there's something that really works as a way of reaching people outside the church. So I found that really interesting. I also thought it was really interesting um, <clears throat> what he said about Bill Gates um, and some of the people that he'd learned from in the, in the business world who were further down the track than him. And in particular, the way that Bill Gates kind of reads around his subject. Um, and so it doesn't just read about the tech world or the world that he's involved in, but reads about everything. Um, and um, and in a way that that links back to to, to what I've just just said. It's the, we as the church should be reading about things like Grab and seeing what they do, and learning from them, and learning from their example, and learning how to pivot in a time like this. If the church pivoted in the way that Grab pivoted, we should do it. For I mean, you know, he does it for Christian motives, but how much more should the church do it? For that motivation to see the kingdom of God advance, uh, that's that's what's at stake. All that's at stake with, uh, well, there's a lot at stake for Grab. There's there's their, uh, but there uh, there's the profit, but there's also their their motivation to get job, to give people jobs, to to livelihoods and so on, to to trap, uh, transport people safely. But I mean, we have the best motivation ever. We have the kingdom of God. We have to, the, the ability to see people's lives transformed by Jesus. So we ought to be at the forefront of innovation, entrepreneurial uh, activity, pivoting, making sure that, that we're, we're making the most of every opportunity at this time. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. And a huge thank you to Anthony Tan as well.
Now, you just heard Nikki share so passionately about reaching those who don't know Jesus today through Alpha Online. And Nikki said at the start of the pandemic that this is the single greatest evangelistic opportunity of his lifetime. And I think he's right. This past year at Alpha, we've heard story after story about how this crisis brought bigger questions about life, faith, and God to the forefront of so many people's minds. And this is a real opportunity for us to reach our friends and neighbors like never before. And so I just want to encourage you today to consider running Alpha Online in the new year. And if you'd like to find out more, you can head to alpha.org for more information. Now, in a couple weeks, we're going to share Nikki's conversation with Rich and Dawn Cherie Wilkerson. They are the pastors of a diverse community in the heart of Miami called Vu Church. Rich and Dawn Cherie are creative thinkers who believe deeply in the next generation, and they leak profound thoughts around building culture. We're excited to share that conversation with you. Well, that's all I have for you today. If you've not already done this, would you please like, subscribe, or maybe even share this episode with a friend in the business world who might be inspired? Any bit of engagement from you, the listener, means the world to us as we continue to get this podcast off the ground. Now we hope to see you on January 31st for Nikki's conversation with Pastor Rich and Don Cherie Wilkerson. Bye for now and see you soon.